All right. Uh, thank you for joining Trump Nations, the second installment where we make sense of who Trump voters are and who went to the Capitol uh, with PhD from The Ohio State, from those who are maybe listening to the podcast in a couple of years from now. Uh, April 23rd, 2021. Uh Columbus, Ohio, where Dr. Garner got his PhD at Ohio State. It's at the center of Western civilization as far as uh, policing and uh, African-Americans getting shot by police. So that kind of marks what's going on in the last, uh, on this podcast, if you follow the the feed, we had uh, someone from Columbus, Ohio, who explained to us uh, the Appalachia, the culture of Appalachia, which was very interesting, which kind of ties in to J.D. Vance, Hillbilly Allergy, and Trump voters. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Gardner. What are your initial thoughts? Well, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. This is number two in our series, probably a 10-part series. Who knows how long it'll go on for. Right. Uh, Last time we did part one, We spent a lot of time, I think almost an hour, talking about the election because the one single motive mentioned by the most people who came to the rally and uh, particularly the people who ultimately got arrested was that they wanted to stop the steal. They felt the election had been stolen. And so we wanted to go through, which we did in minute detail about the election Uh, how Trump had originally, six months before the election started, he had already begun to lay the groundwork for the defeat because he expected to get defeated and in fact got defeated by more than 9%, which is the second largest defeat in the 21st century. Uh, Then when the election happened, we went through all the law cases, the 60 law cases, all of the secretaries of states, all of the inspections, by the uh, election committees, all of the uh, federal government, the Justice Department, the cybersecurity, all of those things show that the election hadn't been fraudulent. Nonetheless, uh, this was Trump and his lawyers' claims. And so that set the groundwork, which is why we spent so much time on the last episode for what were these people doing there? and uh, why did they believe what they believed. And so today we're going to go into some detail about the riot itself. How is it organized in advance? What's the minute by minute uh, involvement of the the riot per se? Uh, How many people showed up? What were the charges? What actually happened? There's been a lot of information, mostly by Fox News and right wing conservative Republicans that this was Antifa and that there were no weapons, et 
et cetera, et cetera. We'll be going into that. Uh, then we'll look at the groups who were there. We'll look at the extent to which there were military or law enforcement people there. And uh, that will be, hopefully we're able to do that in an hour. And then in the next episode, we'll start focusing in on the groups. We're gonna start with the 60 people who were arrested for violence. So, and then we'll go through right. the nonviolent people, the women, whole bunch of other things. More info, it's more information here than you'll find in any other place, right. including the FBI website. <laughs> well, the only advantage the FBI has on us, sort of, is that they have uh, access to the text messages in the email. But uh, Dr. Gardner's PhD is in psychotherapy psychology, so we'll get some more insight into the motivation. Uh, now, well, and- most of those documents, by the way, you can go up to the to the Justice Department's website, and when they uh, indicted, the charged, and subsequently indicted these people. Uh, a great deal of the uh, text messages and the um, the photos and all of the documentation was there in each of the complaints. So actually, we do have access to a lot of it. The stuff that the FBI allowed us to see, they're not right. allowing people to see everything, but this is based a lot on uh, what the FBI put together. Right. And since we have the time, we can get in depth. And at the heart of it is really, uh, it was a stress test for a coup. And and one thing that struck me is that the founding fathers had a lot of this already thought out. And one of the things that the founding fathers thought out is they wanted to give power to the farmer states versus uh, what now is called both coast, right? So that 9% margin included New York and California, which were more metropolitan areas. However, in rural areas, red states, Trump won. And because of the electoral college, even though it was a 9%, 7 million margin, the actual election was decided by 46,000 votes, approximately, in Arizona, Georgia, in Nevada, that if they would have flipped the other way, it would have been uh, closer. Trump might have won. So yeah, well, this kind of created people did win. Uh, George Bush won, and Trump's first time he won. People have won. I, I believe Nixon won as well. People right. have won with less than a majority. That's a Some people would say a flaw in our system. Some people would say not. It's hard to say, but that is right. I'm I'm in the middle. Majority. Yes, for me, I'm I'm in the middle um, of that argument. Uh, Part of me says uh, it's okay for, let's say, a Joe Manchin in West Virginia to have an inordinate amount of power in the Senate from a small state. Uh, because it stops, right, uh, armed insurrection type or uh, a coalition, a militia of farm states, right, getting overly upset. But the other part of it is it disenfranchises and it kind of of, uh, cuts the legs of democracy, right, where you have a majority of people voting one way and in a way they get disenfranchised by uh, kind of 
putting the toe on the scale and giving farm states more more leverage and more power than their population would suggest they should have? Well, you know, I'm not a constitutional scholar, although I have, I do, I did study history. It's important to realize that we're a representative democracy, we're not a democracy. Right. And that adjective, the representative part, is kind of how they developed it. Right. Uh, so being a representative democracy, the disproportionate power given to small, obscure states is, is part of what they had designed that's it's true to our meaning. I, I think the real question is, and this is there's no answer to this, but the question is whether or not 200, 300 years later, we should still be using a model that was developed 200 years ago. You know, we no longer use quill pens. We no longer ride on horses, generally speaking. Right. The world has changed so dramatically. We live in a, in a time that was never even possibly conceived of. Never even in their wildest dreams did they dream that we're capable of doing this. So we're still doing, you know, the reason for the long time between everything is because people had to get to get on horses and ride for weeks to get to places. Right. So, you know, we're still living as if we're, we're 300 years ago, right? 250 years ago. And so, right, we're horses from the end of the election of November 4th, right? Six horse brigades. One went to, yeah, one went to Washington, one went to the federal court, and uh, one went to the Supreme yeah, that, Court. When you read the whole thing, you know, it's, it's, it makes sense then. It's right. kind of ridiculous now, uh, but the likelihood of it being changed is... Uh, right, because the certification for the election, if there was a plan for an insurrection or something happening at the Supreme Court and something happening at, uh, at Congress, uh, the actual certification was sent to six different places. So federal court in New York had a copy. <laughs> they got there by horse, right, in those days. And I guess there was another one in Philadelphia, one in Delaware, the Delaware court, and uh, I forget the sixth place. Uh, but there were only, when this happened, there were only 13 states. Yeah, so, you know, in, in some senses, we're still here. It still works. And so many people would say, if it's not broke, don't change it. And right. uh, yeah, I, there's no, there's not an answer to that. Right. So I want you to listen to this. This was a, a pitch I got for me to get upset and uh, go and become one of the insurrectionists myself. Right. And uh, the friend of, from high school who sent me this information and gave me the pitch. Right. Uh, also was at the Capitol during the insurrection. And he's the one that sent me pictures of the Trump flagpoles at the bottom habit of them having spears. And uh, we would ask, why did, would they have spears at the end of these flagpoles? I still haven't thought it all the way through, but it's about a minute and a half. Let's listen to the sales pitch and an explanation as well of how in the mind of some, and this group ended up having about a couple hundred people that 
they, they photographed and you can see on social media there, it could be attributed to these folks. And you could hear Trump in some of his speeches kind of allude to this, right? How magically the votes from Trump would be switched to Biden and how they were switched. A lot of groups felt that the Dominion voting machines, uh, somebody got into their uh, software and from satellites beamed in and with the software changed votes from uh, uh, Trump to Biden. And it always strikes me, right? It, when I went to the Pointer Institute for Media Studies and there was John Chancellor and Dan Rather, they said, and a lot of Pulitzer winning uh, journalists from the New York Times, they said the reason that you study journalism and that you observe things is that the truth is far more bizarre and stranger than fiction. So, so you know I'm not making it up. I'm going to play you right from the horse's mouth. One of the groups that actually got people there in one of their sales pitches. At the end of this recording, uh, you hear the voice of Marla Maples, who at one time was married to Donald Trump and has an open invitation to Mar Largo, and she's still friendly with Donald Trump and Melania. But let's listen to uh, one of the group leaders. About 500 different groups got people to the Capitol, and this is one of them. Let's hear what she has to say. It lasts about a minute and a half. And I'll, uh, afterwards, I'll ask Dr. Gardner what his thoughts on this sales pitch here. Go ahead. Thank you. Did you repeat okay. that, Maria, so, just for the recording? Yes. So basically, the, the theft of the election was orchestrated in the Rome Embassy on the second floor of Via Veneto by an employee, Stefan Serafini, Foreign Service officer of over 20 years. He retired the day before the election to ensure he would not lose his pension, unlike what happened to some of the FBI agents who betrayed our country in 2016 and, and did lose their pension just days before their retirement. So Stefan Serafini coordinated with the General Claudio Graziano. And Claudio Graziano, General Graziano, is on the board of Leonardo, the defense contractor, Leonardo SPA. Leonardo used their military satellite uplink to load the software and transfer <laughs> it over to change the vote from Trump to Biden. <laughs> so what everybody's been saying is that we know something happened, we know something happened. The proof that was missing, the very basic, who did it, where did they do it, and how did they do it, has been missing from all of the um, all of the documents sent into the courts, all of the affidavits. There was nothing that was helping us win in the courts. They thought that they were very shrewd in how they did it. They uh, had um, a really brilliant plan that was orchestrated by Barack Obama with the help of Renzi, the former prime minister of Italy. The Italian supplied us with intercept photos, phone calls, and um, shockingly, pictures of the CIA agents who have been involved in orchestrating this. Those pictures of the CIA agents uh, ended up on the internet 
and um, those operatives and the folks in at, uh, the government in Italy started panicking and they started replacing all their heads of intelligence of, of the cyber readiness and within Leonardo. And Leonardo, the actual. No, I'll stop it there. Uh, we can put it. I put links to uh, interviews, subsequent interviews she did uh, before January 20th. And of course, after January 20th, she's pretty much disappeared. What are your thoughts on uh, at least one uh, sales pitch that got like 200 people? Uh, you know, in, in fact, half the people, possibly more, but at least half the people who came to the rally, the rally before the riot, we'll go into right. that in a bit, but those people actually believe this and spout this. And it's, it's interesting, Trump's lawyer, uh, the woman who- Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell, who, who you know, exposed the, uh, these things. Later on when she was sued for a billion dollars by the people who she claimed did this, she, she said in her defense, in the response to the complaint from the uh, software provider and from the uh, machine builder. Uh, in her complaint, she said, no reasonable person, I forget if she said no sane person or no reasonable person, but she either. No reasonable, reasonable is the, the okay. legal steam, legalese word that you hear quite often. Okay. No the reasonable person. Reasonable person would have believed what she was saying, therefore, she could not have possibly harmed the company or the software providers right. because her stuff was so absurd, no reasonable person would believe it. So that, yeah, the stuff is so absurd, no reasonable person would believe it. But that being said, these people, the 100,000 who came there, aren't necessarily reasonable people. They're right. not necessarily the brightest bulb in the chandelier. Right. They have exactly. lots of personality defects, which in fact fed into this. And I, I want to say the Republicans and the conspiracy and the false election, all those people, they took advantage of these people, took advantage of their disabilities. Uh, the IQ scores here are substantially below normal in most of these populations. They have a high level of disability. They have a high level of marital discord. They have a very low income. They have lots of, they have histories of mental health problems and drug abuse, they have a high rate of uh, arrests. Right. Uh, these, these people are not the healthiest, finest examples of citizenry in what the Republicans, the conservative right-wing Republicans and Trump's lawyers and Trump did was to take advantage of these people and put this, Put them on this uh, Quixote X uh, right. mission and really put them in harm's way. So it's it's a tragedy. That right. So they would believe what this lady said, and, and this lady would get an email saying, "Hey, for two hundred dollars, uh, you can get the lineup of Donald Trump, Don Jr., uh, Mo Brooks, Giuliani, and Sidney Powell." Sure. And she would mark it up another hundred bucks, send it to him, give him a ticket. Donald Trump and people showed up. raised $400 million using this stuff. I mean, right. it's a sad, it's a sad day in America when uh, this was allowed to happen. On the other hand, it was the 
president of the United States orchestrating it, so it's a little bit difficult to uh, to slap right. in. And I thought it was symbolism, but we got the truth that the president is above the law. There is president has an immunity to commit crimes. Now, Nixon had the decency to resign, but he, he didn't have to design. And now, you know, fast forward, you know, 30 years later, um, the truth is, and, it, and I mean, it was quite a stress test for, I would guess, Russian and Chinese agents, whoever wanted to overthrow the U.S., that the president does have, uh, I forgot the specific term, but uh, the president cannot be charged with and convicted of a crime while in office. Well, he can be impeached. He can be impeached, but he can't, like the District Court of Washington, the D of Washington can't charge the president with a crime uh, and put handcuffs on him and put him to jail, right? So you would need to be impeached. And then, uh, and that's part of the problem, right? The, the polarization where it doesn't matter what, your side does right uh it's okay so nobody's going to be very few people a, a few of them pretended to be pragmatic and uh Mitt romney actually voted to be More pragmatic but it didn't matter yeah I think, I think that's more of a perhaps my experience working with republicans but i I believe this to be more of a problem for Republicans than for Democrats. Right. Uh, Republicans are more inclined to knowingly break the law. And, uh, but vote for each other at the same time. Well, because, I, yeah, I, and uh, we're going to, yeah, this is life. And so we're going to go take a little side detour right. away from the riot. But uh when I was... Uh... What's the rigid thinking, right? Because we're talking about rigid thinking, rigid thinking people, and then they, they're told, hey, the election is stolen, and this lady here gives them a, a plausible, uh, you know, a plausible proof, as she called it, uh, and then she gave an excuse of why they couldn't use it in court, right? But she gave an excuse of how the votes were changed from Trump to Biden, right? And this rigid thinking kind of allows a situation like this to happen and for these people to actually get to Trump felt he had an immunity to do whatever he wanted to do because of the rigid thinking of the Republican Party and he knew that he would never get in trouble for this. So a few years ago I'm sitting as an alternate on the Orange County Central Committee for the Republicans. How I got there it's such a long story, <laughs> a 10 part series on that. Right. So I'm sitting there and they're talking about um, the head of the Republican Party at the time. Right. Uh, they're talking about uh, spending money on city council elections. Now, city council elections, as everybody knows, are nonpartisan elections. You don't run, you know, it's not a party that you run in, although you might belong to a party, it's not a party. And in fact, um, 
they're not supposed to endorse city council people. They're not supposed to spend money on city council uh, elections. They're supposed to, the Senate, the House, the California, there are all kinds of positions that are partisan, but city council and judges, judges, I believe, are nonpartisan. Right. Now he gets up there and he informs everybody, which includes me, right. that they are going to, in fact, endorse and spend money on city council, uh, even though they know that's not in the spirit of the law. Right. So, you know, that's an example of knowing full well what you're supposed to do and being totally prepared uh, to do nothing at all about it. And that's no, but what I'm specifically referring to was in something you faced, right? You were on city council and you would have this pragmatic, even a, maybe a nonpartisan idea that made sense to everyone, right? But because they didn't come up with the idea, you had a block of people that would vote against it for no other reason other than they didn't come up with the idea and it would always be three to nothing, right? Or three to two. And those three guys would vote <laughs> in unison, no matter what, right? It was, it was, yeah. it was no the epitome of rigid thinking. Yeah, no matter what. It, it, we would say things like not like uh, brain surgery thing. We would say something like, hey, let's save a million dollars by having the trash company come twice a week instead of three times a week and without even th thinking about it putting any thought to it they would automatically vote as a unison together because oh our side didn't come up with that idea right so i'm gonna all of, but it's not just gonna be me right even though it's a nonpartisan, innocuous uh small city <laughs> city council type of thing going right and you would have a room full of 300 people and the, everybody would come in and say, yeah, let's save a million dollars twice a week. It doesn't bother me. Blah, blah, blah. But the other side would vote three, nothing, no matter what. Well, and, yeah, but also what, you, what you're missing there from that description is the trash company <laughs> money, right. the Republican Party, and right. to those guys for their election campaigns. Right. So that's not simply a... Republican sticking together or we didn't think of an idea, that's a, oh my God, if we cut off the amount of money we're giving to people who give us money, we're in danger of not having enough money for the other elections. So that's- a No, big... no, absolutely. Um, that was probably a bad example. I should, I should, I should have used like, a... <laughs> or let's get a shelter that's being donated by the United Way. And since they didn't come up with the idea and they're getting no money from the United Way, they would vote three nothing against, <laughs> against the idea. Right. And you would have 500 people saying, hey, let's thank the United Way for giving us that bird shelter or whatever. But since they didn't come up with it and the United Way wasn't giving them money, their, their rigid was so thinking that they would vote three nothing against it or three to two against it just because it, in the people that rush the Capitol have that same type of. Uh, and, and it's part of the United States, right? Faith in my side. My side says this, you know, this is a ridiculous idea that Barack Obama and uh, the prime minister, ex-prime minister of Italy conspired with money from the Iran uh, nuclear deal. Well, but it's more, it's more true of Republicans than it is of 
Democrats and independents. So right. uh, for example, uh, split ticket voting. In a split ticket vote, you know, you vote for, well, like I voted. Right. You vote for this person, you vote for that person. At the end of the day, you see, oh, I voted for a Republican, a Democrat, an independent, uh, I voted split ticket. Uh, split ticket voting is almost unheard of amongst Republican voters. Uh, Trump vote, particularly Trump voters, but Trump Republican voters, they don't split their tickets. They, they just go in there and they will vote for somebody even if the person is not suited or even if the person's outrageously uh, unsuitable for the office. They will do that far more often. There's a, a study quoted in the uh, Trump Nations, the book Trump Nations, who goes through the Biden states and the Trump states and shows that the tendency for um, split ticket is almost non-existent amongst uh, Republicans, is still rare, but not unknown amongst Democrats, and then pretty common amongst independents. No, no, that's why the victory in Kentucky with a Democrat there for governorship, uh, you really got to tip your hat to that guy. That guy must have a lot of charisma to be able to pull that off. Pull money. <laughs> well, no, he was he was outspent by a lot. Uh, we got, he's, a, he's a young guy. Okay, he was able to uh, win. He was, I think, the first uh, person to win a statewide election as a Democrat in Kentucky for 35 years, the governor of Kentucky. I like him a lot. During the pandemic, you saw him a lot as one of uh, the you few guys. Ryan, I think I think we've been going pretty long without focusing on the riot. Right. So now we got the cast of characters. Now we're at the we know who's there. We know how they got there. We know how they think. So now we're at the rally. We got the preceding events in the rally, the riot. Yeah, let me, let's start with um, a couple of definitions here uh, because you know some people are saying there's no riot, there's no insurrection. It just a rally is a mass meeting of people making a political protest or showing support for a cause. We've all been to rallies. Right. A riot is the next notch up, a violent disturbance of peace by a crowd. There can be all kinds of riots, but a special subcategory of a riot is a violent uprising against an authority or government. In other words, it's a riot against the government. So when we're talking here, we're talking about something that's a riot and an insurrection. It takes place here. Uh, I have these slides here for people to actually see. Everybody talks about it, but I thought it'd be nice to actually see. There are three places, the ellipse, which you see here, Freedom Plaza, which you see there, and finally the Capitol. It's about a three mile walk. Here's a shot of the ellipse. There's Freedom Plaza and there's the Capitol and there's the insides of the Capitol. So that's the setting in which all of this happens. The cast of characters, we know the main groups, although you're right, there are hundreds of little groups, little groups that consist of 10 or 15 people in Arkansas of whom two make it. But the main cast of characters are the QAnon people, the Proud Boys people, the Oath Keepers, the three percenters, 
uh, a whole bunch of militia groups, uh, hundreds of those, as you pointed out, the Patriotic Front, the soldiers of Odin, uh, the white Aryan resistance, and the anti-vaxxers. Those are the main people who are showing up here. They account for at least a third of the people who show up belong to one of these groups. The reason I say at least a third is because there may be many more people who didn't reveal their identities. Right. But you'll find my statistics are greater than the statistics put out by the FBI or other people. And the reason for that, and they'll tell you it's 10 or 20%, it's not, it's 33%. And the reason for the difference between the statistics you've been told and these statistics is I actually classified people based upon uh, the shirts they were wearing, the social media they were posting, and um, uh, the texts they were giving. So if somebody showed up in a, with a cue uh, on their t-shirt and their social media uh, said that, uh, uh, what's his name was a pedophile, Tom Hanks was a pedophile. Right. Then even if they weren't a card-carrying member of QAnon, they got classified as QAnon. So my statistics show that 33% of the people who showed up or who were arrested were part of these groups, although that, and I'm explaining why my statistic looks a little bit higher. Right. They talk about Antifa, and I know a lot of people don't know what Antifa is, so I included them here as a reference point. Uh, Antifa is a political protest movement comprising autonomous groups affiliated by their militant, militant opposition to fascism and other forms of extreme right-wing ideology. They do show up, they're typically dressed in black and uh, many right-wing Republicans as well as Fox media blame the violence on them. It's worth noting, not a single Antifa person. No, um, no, and, and that not always they dress in black and- Yeah, they don't always dress in black, but yeah, still. It, a lot of them are hippies. They wear peyote, you can smell them by the peyote. Uh, and they're, they want to operate like cells, like Al-Qaeda, right? Where each cell from each Antifa city operates independently, but they come to together under like-mindedness. Now, they've been linked with arrests. When you look at arrests, there hasn't been any in, um, arrests in Orange County, but there have been arrests. And I'll put links to the different arrests and everything we talk here. I'll put a they link to believe in violence. They're not opposed to violence. So, you know, they, it depends what group. Right. So yeah. the, the ones that have been arrested for violence. Right. And they've been charged with violent acts are the ones from Seattle. But the ones from Georgia remind me of the movie Wonderlust, where they're very, very hippified. Uh, they come from communes. And then the ones from the Northeast uh, and the ones from Southern California, they're involved in, uh, you know, drug rings and burglary rings. Right. Or Antifa Chicago uh, threw a flare, got the cops to go one way, and they surgically went into high-end restaurants, and they jumped down and they stole safes. Uh, they were attributed to Antifa. Uh, they are very, uh, the militant side of them is that they're anarchists, right? They believe that there really shouldn't be any government at all versus 
uh, one government uh, agency or one Biden versus Trump, right? They're like, no Biden, no Trump. So this is not something they would be, be very much interested. That's why Antifa came out more during the shooting of black people, right? Yeah, you George see Floyd. With BLM, but they, they right. weren't here. The only reason they're, they're abolished the police, right? So Antifa's more, let's get rid of all police, right? Let's get rid of all government and anarchists and let's all protect uh, ourselves, right? Well, That's what, what the right-wing Republicans and the uh, Fox News were saying was that Antifa came in disguise carrying Trump banners and they committed the violence that right. none of the, the Trump people and their senators, one of those senators from Wisconsin said this exactly. Ron Johnson, crazy Ron Johnson. Yeah, Ron Johnson. Yeah, he says, you know, the, these are nonviolent people. They would never have done this. This was all Antifa in disguise. Well, in fact, of the 400 people arrested so far, not a single one has any affiliations with Antifa. So, no, no, they're more hippie fighting and, and they're savvy. The only ones that really get arrested are the ones out of Seattle. The rest are more hippified, uh, more peaceful, right? And are, they're anarchists, right? Which believes in no government. They're your abolish the police crowd. <laughs> abolish all government. Let's have no government. Let's all live in a commune, right? Very, very hippified. Did you remember from the 60s? <laughs> <laughs> no, I <didn't. laughs> well, actually, I don't remember that much, but... <laughs> but, I've been but yeah, the, the throwback to... The I should remember. Really, uh, for more context, too, these are the folks that transitioned from the Grateful Dead and Fish, right? They used to follow Fish and yeah, Grateful sure. Dead. And now they're the, and, and, and at the end of the day, uh, it ended up that the Grateful Dead were a nationwide uh, drug ring with um, Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett would be involved in the money laundering of uh, record sales and in the distribution of drugs throughout the country. And it's funny how Jimmy Buffett has admitted to all this, but he's never been arrested for anything, neither him or Willie Nelson. <laughs> the old uh, money laundering through record sales and drug distribution. But I guess white supremacist uh, ideology or the way black people are explaining it now, they would say it's white privilege. Jimmy Buffett, Grateful Dead, and Antifa and all of them are getting white privilege. That's why they're not getting arrested. So up on the screen now, you have a whole list preceding events. Some people think that the rally and the riot, you know, that was like a spontaneous thing. It goes back literally to the day after the election. In November 3rd, the Oath Keepers uh, and Jessica Walters, who, Watkins, who you see here, uh, she was a man. She's now a woman. Oh, okay. And she's uh, she's an oath keeper, and she was uh, right from the start. Again, you see there, November third, busy preparing for action. And you, you know, remember, they're getting they're getting emails, even texts, probably from the Trump campaign saying, "Stop the steal," uh, telling similar stories like the one we heard at the beginning, right? And they're saying that on January 6th. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen, I know they're looking for that to be able to show that the Trump campaign was in collusion with them. As far as I know. Well, they were getting their emails. It might, they might not have been, because remember, right? In, in your, it's part of your generation. 
like the Godfather of the movie, you always have a buffer, right? Trump never gets in trouble because he always has a buffer. Uh, Paul Manafort, uh, Michael Cohen, right? Oh, yes, they, so there, yeah. there, there isn't any direct collusion, but these people were getting Trump emails that said, stop the steal, 1776, right? We could hear them saying, and on January 6th, we're going to take our country back. We're going to make America great again. Mike Pence is not going to certify the election because it was stolen from us. And we're going to have to fight like hell. But we'll get there. Yeah, so this is a whole, there won't be a transfer of power. This is a whole chronology of all these groups that, you know, ultimately uh, over a hundred of the 400 people arrested are many of the people that you see here, Brian Kuo, who's talking about the weapons. Uh, there's a lot of chatter. Uh, this is Thomas Caldwell. Uh, that was uh, Kelly Meggs. All these people were arrested. Uh, and in fact, another one of the myths uh, promoted by the right wing and by the Fox are that there were no weapons. There were weapons coming out of the yin yang and they were planning for the weapons months before this happened. And you yeah, the chance while we're talking to read over all these things about the, the weapons and how to hide the weapons and where to put the weapons and what weapons to bring and what weapons not to bring. Why, why bring weapons? Well, because this, this, was, this was designed to be a violent insurrection. That's in so the violent insurrection is because Pence was not going to certify the election and they were going to stop the transfer of power from uh, Biden to Trump. Well, you know, it's never explicit. They never explicitly say how they were going to accomplish that. Some of them, very few of them, but some of them do say that uh, they believed, not the ringleaders, but some of the, the soldiers, if I can use a mafia term, some right. of the soldiers do in fact say they believe that their presence there would have been sufficient to cause the senators and the congressmen to change their votes. But the truth is the senators, the congressmen had no ability to change their no, votes. No, no, it, it's the electoral college. The Nobody had an ability to do anything. Uh, what there wasn't, a, and this is pure, pure uh, hypothesis on my part and some others as well. What they had the option of doing is with weapons and with a violent overthrow, they did have the option of the president, you know, calling, calling martial law and imposing martial law. And under the pretense of martial law, he could have postponed the election. That was no, again, not postponing the election, but postponing the uh, transfer of oh, power. I'm sorry. Yes, postponing the transition. That's the only thing that they could have possibly uh, achieved. Accomplished, and right? For that achievement, it's the only reason to have brought weapons, to have simply demonstrated outside the Congress if that was their goal which some of the soldiers said, they could have done that without weapons. The only reason to bring weapons was for a violent overthrow 
causing the government to go into disarray, causing Trump to declare martial law. But you can see from all those details I've given you, weapons from the very start. Well, uh, the other part of it is that uh, it's, it's hearsay, but the same person that gave me the recording you heard in the beginning uh, sent me messages, right, through Facebook, Facebook Messenger, that his eyewitness uh, testimony is that all of the flagpoles he saw at the bottom of them had spears in them. So he, he would say that for them to say that there weren't any weapons or that the flags were not weapons, he would, he would, uh, his uh, message to me is that those guys waving those uh, Trump flags at the bottom of it and at the top had spears and he didn't see anybody use it as a weapon, but he said very much so. It could have been. There's an FBI. There's an FBI report in which they document the that the flagpoles were uh, weaponized. There is. Yeah, a, it had spears on the bottom of it, right? Well, look at forget spears. I mean, look at this. All that stuff on the ground that you see there, those are explosives. This guy had eleven Molotov cocktails in his truck. These are his. That's an AR-15, or that's that's an automatic weapon of some. Of the, these are all the ammunitions. Uh, this guy uh, left his oh. truck, and when he went back to get his truck and to get his weapons, the police had cordoned it off, so he wasn't able to get his weapons. Right. The only reason he did. There are a dozen people like him who showed up with arsenals, and we'll be going into that. Not today, but when we go through the violent, um, the violent insurrectionists, there's a dozen people who left their weapons either in their hotel room or their weapons weren't discovered on them or left their weapons in their car. There's a dozen people with weapons uh, that don't show up in the complaints, but of the weapons that, uh, let me just skip ahead here just for an example, since we're talking about weapons. These are the weapons, 63 people charged with violence and assault, 32 of them charged with the use of weapons. Eight are lacrosse sticks, hockey sticks, crutches, flagpoles, unstrung balls. Eight of them are batons, pipes, crowbars, or baseball bats. Seven of them are some form of chemical spray. Five of them are stolen masks, helmets, or shields. There's one rifle and handgun, one explosives, one knife, one taser. Right, right. And, and what, what leads me to believe was that all these different gr groups got different stories of, you know, why to get now. The email that Laura Trump said was that there was going to be uh, a transfer of power back to Trump on January 20th. Yeah, that was, so that that was, was a reason yeah. to show up. For which they were going to come back. Uh, now, those those weapons I just outlined, those are people charged with the use of those weapons. Those weapons were actually used and they have photographs of right. people actually using those weapons. The other dozen people who we'll talk about at another time, they were caught uh, with the weapons, but they didn't use them. In other words, he had a weapon in his belt. He had a weapon in his car. He had a, a rifle in his car. He had a a right. gun and a knife in his pants or in his holster. 
So those people were all caught. They were charged with trespassing because they were trespassing, but they didn't pull the weapons. Right. And there were some people who didn't come with weapons, but saw what was going on and ripped uh, fire extinguishers from the walls. Used yeah, the actual the guy with the fire extinguisher, he was a fireman. <laughs> he was a fire, and he wore his fireman jacket. He's the guy who used the fire, the fire extinguisher. But yeah, no, no, those are in the chemical baseball bats, crowbars, batons, those can all kill you. And the chemical sprays can kill you. I mean, this was these people were seriously weaponized, the ones who were caught, and there but for the grace of God. There were a dozen people who were armed. Many of them had armor-piercing rounds. They had uh, magazines, uh, large load magazines with rifles. They had AR-15 rifles. They had handguns, handguns with extended magazines. This was a highly weaponized group of people prepared to do some serious damage, and uh, they didn't. But right, because the the common denominator is that they gave money to Laura Trump in the Trump campaign. It wasn't like an organized group to try to take over the government. the The main point was to fund uh, Trump's coffers, right? And, and up to eighty percent of the money that they donated, Trump can use for and Laura Trump can use for whatever they want. Uh, well, I don't underestimate the weapons. As I've, as I've said, these are only the weapons that were recovered and that we knew about. So that's just the tip of the iceberg. Who knows how many more people who didn't get arrested, nonetheless. Well, my point was that it wasn't organized. I mean, uh, if somebody can organize these 500 desperate groups or the 500, I get the 500 number because that's... Uh, the number of groups that are in the Trump email list he sent out. So if somebody can organize these 500 groups, right, and organize the the military militia weapon part of it, uh, it could have been very, 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 very lethal. Yeah, I, you know, there could have been 500 groups. If you look here at the numbers, they had 100,000 people at the rallies. So the, in the whole rally itself, or even in the 10,000 people who moved to the Capitol Plaza, which is three miles away, which you saw earlier, there could have still been representatives from those groups because those groups, they often had one or two people. It's like the... uh, Well, because it's an email list, right? Whoever, somebody in the Trump campaign or Laura campaign says, okay, give me a list of white wing militia groups and they go online or wherever they go, to get these groups. So you might have a group that that's listed, right, in a directory somewhere. They have two people. Or you can have QAnon, right, that has 100,000 people. So between 100,000 and the two people, whoever are in this right-wing militia crazy directory but are willing to, hey, be registered to vote or B, be willing to send money, right? Uh, these are all in that Laura Trump Trump email list that they founded for money. Generally speaking, uh, each of these groups, the bigger groups like the Oath Keepers or the um, Proud Boys or the QAnon or the Three Percenters, they usually there's, there's usually a head, a state head, 
uh, and then they usually have branches in the major cities. And then invariably, the head of the Oath Keepers or the head of the three percenters in Oregon or in Missouri will also have his own little group, which might be uh, Patriots, Oregon's for America. Right. And so invariably, that's how they link. And that group might have 12 people in it and another Oath Keeper in Oregon, maybe his assistant director will have another group women for the revolution. Right, right, right. So in this way, these all these groups are very much tied together through the major, through the Oath Keepers, through the QAnon, and through the Proud Boys. So how, the way they got there, right, was through the Trump email list who had, you know, Trump email list has the three percenters in there, has QAnon in there, has all these groups organized, and that's how they were able to get them to the Capitol. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, it's there's no question that there were hundreds of groups. I hadn't heard the figure 500. I don't. Yeah, no, the figure 500 are the number of groups in Laura Trump's email list that they use for campaign raising. Oh, no. Yeah. Could... Yeah. Scaramucci talks about a lot. There were so many. I read the names of so many groups. Honestly, I can't remember. Uh, the more they're thinking about it, they super operate happy fun group. The super it's... happy fun group is a group that's against the uh, lesbian, homosexual, and all those letters that I can't remember. So I don't mean to offend anybody, but LG right. But but they knew what they were doing. They didn't send a, an email to the GOP, the OOC. They they sent it to the Oath Keepers, people they knew they can motivate. They can got even though a lot of not a lot of but a significant number of uh, GOP, OC, recall knew some people were also involved in the extradition and were at the Capitol. Well, I'm and sure they posted it on social media. No, I'm sure a lot of them were local Republican uh, Republican groups. Many of the people who were arrested are, in fact, prominent Republicans in their state or in their city. Right. They're, they've run for office. Some of them have been in office. Some of them have uh, are the head of the teenagers for Republicans, or yeah, many of these people are have Republican ties. Uh, now that so, we're so in a way, in a way, these groups, the three percenters, documented. Yeah, the, in a way, let me know your thoughts on this. In a way, the three percenter oath keepers, QAnon, you know, QAnon's way out there. They do operate like Antifa, that they have similar philosophy, like-mindedness, but they operate independent of each other. Yeah, although they, they very much, because uh, they support the Republicans, they don't support independents or Democrats. No. It ties to the Republicans. So unfortunately, until we just mentioned it now, it's not something I looked at, but for our next presentation, I'll go back and pull out the uh, all the ties to prominent Republicans amongst these people. Uh, well, Josh Hawley has the list in, in the prominently, what came public was that Ted Cruz wants that list. <laughs> it, it, Trump won't give it to him, right? But Josh Hawley is famous uh, with them. Uh, Rand Paul, but more, more, than, more than any of them is Josh Hawley is the one that that's, that's, has a really good list of 
of uh, Oath Keepers, Three Percenters, Patriot Groups, as they call them. Uh, and what do they want, right? So one thing uh, is the why, right? They feel disenfranchised. Uh, they feel that they're being replaced, right? Uh, that they don't, it doesn't feel like America to them anymore with so many minorities, uh, right? You know, one of the things that we'll get at after we've done this whole thing, we'll, uh, and uh, one of the conclusions, and this is this has been woefully uh, uh, neglected by the other people doing research in this area and by the FBI. There isn't a there isn't a rioter. There isn't an insurrectionist. There are groups here, and the groups are they don't necessarily all of the demographics are different. Their motivations are different. Their weaponization is different. So there, it's not a single unity of the capital rioters are uh, white people worried about non-whites taking over. Yeah, there are some who are that. The rioters are Second Amendment advocates. Yeah, there's a group like that. The rioters are anti-vaxxers. Yeah, there's a group. But not all the rioters are anti-Chinese, anti-vax, anti-homosexual, pro-Second Amendment. They don't share. There's a whole set of groups that come together and see in Trump a leader because he caters to these groups. But these about, aren't necessarily as a, cousins. Yeah. As opposed to like the George Floyd protests, when you look at George Floyd protests, 80% of the people that protested were white. Uh, about 90% of the people I've seen were white. I didn't see very many. I did see uh, racist Cubans, right? The head of the Proud Boys is a racist Cuban guy. And the Spaniards were the last to give up uh, slavery. And throughout that tradition, Cubans tend to be very, very racist. And very, uh, even though they're immigrants themselves, they're very, very anti-immigrants, right? And they uh, gave uh, Trump the margin of victory in Florida. But I didn't see very many Black or Hispanic or American Indian people in the Capitol riots, much less arrested. Uh, no, the Capitol riots are pretty much between 90 and 95 percent white depending right. on which group you're looking at. It's primarily a white, a white group. Uh, yeah, that's just... Um, right, and, and white people, right? Uh, it's probably close to 100% of white people uh, that feel this way, right? Uh, you only hear white people say that they feel disenfranchised by another race or what Tucker Carlson would call uh, white replacement theory that started with, there's a lot of Nixon people in the Trump orbit, right? People like Giuliani, uh, Roger Stone, uh, and Don Jr. also uh, talked about it in his speech at the Republican convention in 2020 about the silent majority and folks that feel disenfranchised and replaced 
by minorities, replacing their jobs and replacing their culture. Yeah, that's true. And there, there certainly are a lot of, uh, there's a, a group, a group of, uh, and I'm, I'm going to say, although later I, I could be wrong now, I'm just trying to do this from memory. I'm going to say about 20 to 25% of the, um, of all the people arrested are lower income, uh, laborers, uh, white, uh, small towns who fit that profile. Right. 20 or 25% of the people. But, you know, there are, there's an equal number, and that's men. Right. There's an equal number of men and women who are white people, but they're business owners and they're thriving and they're educated and they're doing pretty well. So, and that's a, that's a different group. And uh, so, you know, and, and part of it would be like the girl that got shot. She was doing very good. She got shot and killed. She owned a business in San Diego. She was doing well. I see, and, and you always see it. You know, when you look at a disc profile of people, you see a D dominant. You see an I influencer. And then you see your C's and your S, where people who are compliant and submissive. There are a lot of people who are just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> They're just hanging out with this group. And this is a trip they're going to have, and they're all going to come together. It wasn't, uh, yes, there's ideology in place, but the reason they were there was to hang out, it was not necessarily no. to accomplish any goals. They were hanging out with their friends. And that'll lead us to the last thing we'll talk about, which is you have on here on your, on your, um, on your outline here, the military, the law, law enforcement influence and people there. Well, yeah, I think we've kind of gone an hour now. All right. So I'm, I'm going to say maybe final we'll thoughts. Cut this and uh, well, the, the major later on we'll go through and finish the ride, the things on the ride. What, right. What we looked at so far, I think that's important to note about the riot, is that um, the riot and the insurrection is that uh, first of all it was well planned. This was not a spontaneous event. Uh, these people were preparing for it months in advance. It was a coordinated effort by several groups. Uh, and the people who came there, came there, many of them with violent, uh, violent goals. There were literally dozens of people arrested who had weapons or who used weapons. Right. Uh, so this was, this was a, a serious event. And you have to ask yourself, you know, what were they, what were the weapons for? That they certainly right. want to impress the Congress people by showing weapons. So it indicates that there was something, something going on that we're unaware of, that uh, these people were intent on promoting a war and literally when we go through a lot of the social media and the text messages, these people were preparing for wars. They were going there to punish the traitors. This was, this was a, a riot and an insurrection, well-planned, uh, well in advance. Yeah, the, the only thing I would disagree, I think it was planned. I don't think it was well-planned and I don't think they were very thorough. And I do agree with you that splinter groups 
it had significant uh, significant percentage of the people were there from what I've been hearing for a long time and uh, that our friend Deborah Pauly talks about, right? About a civil war that they, people who feel replaced in white replacement theory want to take over the government forcefully. And some of the left are saying that since the right wing cannot win an election, the only way they can gain power in the future is through uh, the power of militias and through some sort of authoritarian government, right? That's why Biden uses the word uh, autocracy and authoritarian, that this is a time where we have to beat it down and fight it because that's the only way the, the right can win an election. There's a substantial amount of people who believe that and who came there. I, I disagree with you. I'd say it was, it was well planned. It just wasn't carried out very well for some reason, because they came there with communications. They came there with weapons. They came there with combat gear. They came there in groups. They came there in caravans. They did a, they did a lot of planning, but when it actually came to operationalization, when it came to carrying Execution. it out, they, they screwed it up. They, right, right. And, uh, and one reason probably because all things considered, these are not the brightest bulbs <laughs> in the candelier. I mean, they're dedicated, right, 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 right. they're sincere, uh, they put a lot of effort into it. But at the end of the day, uh, thankfully, they didn't carry out what it looked like they were prepared to do. Right, right. right. We'll pick this and, up on Monday. Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll pick up with part three on Monday. And uh, Dr. Gardner and I are old. So we disagree without trying to kill each other. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And maybe on Monday, uh, if the people are watching the recorded versions of this. On Monday, we may be able to get people to come in live and talk and share the screen with us. Yes. And um, we'll have the technology set up for it. But with uh, the two of us, sometimes we'll miss a comment or something like that, but we'll catch it eventually. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to recruit maybe a third person that can look at the comments. Yeah, and it's okay to be a Trump, you know, I don't, if you're a Trump supporter, it's okay. You can come here and- I'm wearing a Trump hat, right? I'm wearing a Trump 45 hat. And uh, yeah, and, and I try to uh, keep things as neutral as possible. So, well, uh, like uh, Dr. Gartner say, we stay away from the vitriol, even though I don't mind it on either side. I know that on the podcast, uh, one guy said, sent me uh, a, a comment, say, hey, you, you, you really hammer the left really hard. Uh, stay off the left a little bit. And then uh, as luck would have it, the next comment I, I read for feedback was the guy was like, hey, man, lay off the right, man. You really hammered the right <laughs> So I, I try to look at things, make my best. We're all biases, right? We all have unconscious we have biases. But we're trying to stick to the data right, as much as possible. And that, you know, you see these things, they, most of them are Republicans. You know, so it's hard for that not to put a slant on the Republicans. Most of the, you know, it's, it's, it's not that, what can we say bad about Republicans? No, no. 
it's not that's not the purpose but if most of the people who are arrested have ties to the Republican Party then that says something about the Republican Party without us trying to you know right right the Republican Party but right if that's if that's yes. if the shoe fits Right. We're looking at pra uh, pragmatically uh, just going going where the e evidence is leading to us. And Dr. Not Gardner and I are going to disagree, right, without being disagreeable, even if we are disagreeable. <laughs> we forget about it, laugh about it later and feel yeah. free to disagree with us. Fact check us. Everything that I say, I try to back it up with public records or a link that you can read and you can see both sides of it. Right. Well, yeah, and these facts, I mean, I've done a lot of work. I'm pretty sure all the facts and the evidence that I'm showing here, all of that is correct. That doesn't mean necessarily that my interpretation is correct. You might have a different interpretation of it, even as we did with the whether or not they're organized. Right. Or, you know, a series of things that lead me to believe they're organized. You, you look at that same series of facts, say, well, that doesn't sound organized. So we can disagree on that. The facts are the facts, but the interpretation is subject to, to disagree. Right, right. My definition of well-planned is well-planned and well-executed versus yeah, well, planned well, or, or the, the, the plan wasn't complete. And one side might be very, very organized, but then you have the lady on the recording. She wasn't as organized. All she cared about was getting people there, getting her cut. <laughs> Her cut uh, from the ticket yeah. for, the, for the rally. I forgot. What's the name of the fighter who bit off the ear of uh, Evander? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson said, uh, fighters have a plan when they right. come in the ring with me, and they have the plan until I hit them. And then the plan, <laughs> the plan goes. I think that's right. what happens. They had a plan. Right. And suddenly they were there, and things happened, and they couldn't execute on the plan. But I think they had a plan. I just think uh, Mike right. Tyson hit them, or you know, they. they There's went. a lot of things that went on, and and uh, maybe Antifa didn't splinter in, but you have to think the Chinese and uh, Russian uh, counterintelligence. Well, I'm sure there were agents there of you know, both China and Russia. I'm sure. And there were people looking for Schumer, and there were people looking for Pelosi. Uh, but thankfully, the CIA, whoever was one step ahead of them, they had no idea where they were. Yeah, no, the uh, Capitol Police did right, a good so, job, and that's possibly, uh, although they did manage, they were overwhelmed. I think they did a good enough job that there more people didn't die. But moreover, I, I believe the job that they did and the, the resistance that the police put up is part of the reason that the rioters weren't able to execute. Right. They, they came loaded for bear and they, they really didn't, they weren't able to execute and do the kinds of things they wanted to do. Absolutely. And I, and I always close whatever podcast I do with Winston Churchill, which I thought nobody would ever argue with Winston Churchill, but I do have a witness in uh, Dr. Gardner that somebody uh, challenged, right? whether in fact Winston Churchill did this quote and uh, Dr. Gardner's response was <laughs> whoever came up with a quote, it is. 
Whether or not Winston Churchill was the one that originated the quote, it is a nice quote. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to uh, Trump's Nation Part 2. And then Part 3 will come on Monday. And we'll make sure uh, to make it interactive where folks can have links uh, to make comment and uh, be able to add to the process. Thank you for, very much for listening. Okay, thanks. Bye. Let's just turn this off.